Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. The White House Coronavirus Task Force, now featuring the actual coronavirus. The White House Coronavirus Task Force within the White House Coronavirus Task Force, handling a coronavirus outbreak inside the White House the way we should be handling outbreaks in the rest of the country, the White House Coronavirus Task Force within the White House Coronavirus Task Force, just in case you needed more proof that Donald Trump doesn't give a fuck about you. And the President Donald J. Trump World War II Veterans Memorial, commemorating the heroes who survived World War II only to be killed by a vain president who refuses to wear a mask at a photo op. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices lack in volume what President Trump lacks in leadership. Our top story this week. The Republican-controlled state Supreme Court of Wisconsin overturned the statewide stay-at-home order issued by Wisconsin's Democratic Governor Tony Evers. The court, which heard arguments in the case from the safety of a teleconference, ordered the rest of Wisconsin back to work despite the safety concerns of workers who cannot telecommute. The Chief Justice of Wisconsin Supreme Court, whose actual name is actually Patience Ruggensack, actually dismissed the welfare of actual meatpacking employees when she actually said this. And I quote, These were due to the meatpacking, though. That's where Brown County got the flair. It wasn't the regular folks in Brown County. Apparently, Justice Patience has no patience for the justice of not regular folks. For more on this travesty, Barely Audible Whisper filed the following report. Well, hey there, don't you know? I'm coming to you from a crowded bar in right here, Wisconsin, where some bars literally filled up in less than an hour after the state Supreme Court struck down the governor's stay-at-home order. Yeah, I might contract the virus and die, but statistically, I'm more likely to not die myself than I am to pass the virus on to somebody else and then they'll die. (laughs) That's called freedom. Business is booming, so I figured as long as packing a bunch of people in a bar doesn't predictably lead to an outbreak that will cause me to hastily reshut my bar again, then the decision to hastily reopen my bar was a no-brainer. A no-brainer in that it required not having any brains. That's called freedom. It's good to see regular folks having an old-fashioned regular folk good time. That's Wisconsin Chief Justice Patience Ragansack, who we already introduced, but we just felt like the fact that her name is actually Patience Ragansack bears repeating. (laughs) The regular folks shouldn't have to suffer just because the meatpacking folks are dying. The only meatpacking folks we Wisconsinites care about are the Green Bay Packers. Go Go Pack! Go Packers! Oh yeah, go Pack! So, uh, yeah, not surprisingly, Justice Patience Ragansack was called elitist for her dismissal of the working people most affected by her decisions. If America learned anything from the Washington Redskins, it's that sometimes you have to kill off a bunch of people if you want to honor those people with a football team name. That's called freedom. It should also be pointed out that the meatpacking employees who Justice Justice Patience had no patience for are disproportionately people of color. In other words, the brown folks who work in Brown County are not the regular folks in Brown County. Okay, well, see, that's not my fault. I was simply trying to be dismissive of the poor folks in Brown County. But as it turns out, poor folks in Brown County are disproportionately brown folks because brown folks are disproportionately poor. 
So the fact that my classism seems like racism is not because of my racism, but because of systemic racism. So if you think about it, that makes me the victim of systemic racism. That's called freedom. So as ridiculous as a racial argument as that was, there was an arguably even more ridiculous argument made by Republican Justice Rebecca Bradley, who despite not having a ridiculous name is nevertheless ridiculous. She compared a stay-at-home order to quote, assembling together and placing under guard of those Japanese ancestry and assembly centers during World War II. Yeah, because not being allowed to go bowling during a pandemic is the same thing as interning the Japanese. That's called freedom. And wait till you hear the actual justification they used to send the governor's clearly spelled out authority to issue emergency orders in emergency situation. This emergency is taking too long. So Chief Justice Patience doesn't have patience for emergencies. Most emergencies only last for a few days or a week at the most, don't you know? But this one just keeps going. When does it end? When the outbreak is fully mitigated and it is in fact safe to return to our regular lives, don't you know? I don't wanna wait that long. That might interfere with Green Bay Packers seasons. And if I have to make some Packers die so I can watch the Packers play, then as Vince Lombardi once said, slaughter all the brown people. Okay, but to be clear, Vince Lombardi never said that. No, no, no. But at some point, he probably said, beat the Redskins. Okay, yeah, but that's not the same thing. Okay, you're right. I, I should have said, beat the Browns. Okay, and that's the news from Wisconsin, where a lot of people will die because of the... That's called freedom. Cool Packers. The Supreme Court heard oral arguments regarding three different lawsuits that President Trump has brought to prevent his bank and his accounting firm from complying with subpoenas to turn over his tax returns. And boy, do the president's legal arguments suck. For a deeper look at the logicless logic of President Trump's legal arguments, which includes an argument that already sucks so bad when President Clinton tried it in the 90s, that President Clinton was forced to testify about sucking. Barely Audible Whisper turns to our Circular Logic expert, Smith Sam. Goodbye, Circular Logic expert, Smith Sam I am, which is Sam Smith if you start at the end and work back to the beginning, which is to say, hello, I'm Sam Smith, Circular Logic expert. And if what I just said made sense to you, then you probably watched too much Fox News. Fox News, Judge Janine Pirro here. President Trump is too busy not working on the coronavirus to have to comply with subpoenas. The crux of that argument that the president's job is uniquely demanding and therefore the president should be immune from the time-consuming hassle of having to obey the law was undercut by President Trump himself, who was literally busy tweeting the following verbatim nonsense while his attorneys were arguing he's too busy to be subpoenaed. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman because we hear he hates that. The American people are, all capital letters, warriors, exclamation point. 
The argument that the president is too busy to comply with subpoenas was previously unanimously rejected by the court when it was tried by President Clinton, who was clearly so busy that he had to cheat on his wife with the first available woman that worked in his office. Hey, Monica, you're female and within close proximity. Yet the Trump defense team advanced a legal theory that failed an actually busy former president. I've got three minutes before my next meeting. To protect the clearly not busy current president. All capital letters, transition to greatness. Again, that's a verbatim tweet sent out by the president during oral arguments. His Excellency Lord Trump works extra hard at all his capital letter tweets because he doesn't understand the caps locks function. The too busy to comply with subpoenas argument makes even less sense in this case. However, because President Trump was not personally subpoenaed. All three of the subpoenas the president is trying to block are third-party subpoenas in which his bank and accounting firm are being compelled to turn over his records, which negates his attorney's argument. The president is very busy. Obama was always wrong, exclamation point. This particular president may not be busy, but presidents generally are which means you have to imagine the precedent you set for future busier presidents and overturn the precedent you set for a previously busy president. Do you mind getting that dress dry cleaned yourself? I've got a healthcare bill to not get passed. Basically, President Trump, who was not compelled to do anything, chose to insert himself into a legal process by taking legal action and then arguing that he was too busy to be involved in legal actions. As you can see from the legal action my client chose to take to prevent a legal action that compelled him to do nothing, my client does not have the time to take legal actions such as the one that we took. You mean I could have stopped them from getting my records off someone else's blue dress just by taking the time to argue that I don't have the time to argue about how my records ended up on someone else's dress? The logic gets even more twisted because after arguing at President Trump's impeachment trial that Congress cannot impugn the political motivations of the president. It is impossible to prove that President Trump put his own political interest ahead of America's interest. Our political leaders cannot be prevented from carrying out their essential duties just because their political opponent accused them of putting their political interest ahead of the country. Trump attorney Jay Sekulow argued before the Supreme Court that the congressional subpoenas were invalid because, you guessed it, Congress is putting their own political interest ahead of the country. The Democrats are so motivated by their own political agenda that they have the nerve to accuse the immaculate heart of Trump of being motivated by a political agenda. But you can't prove that anyone's motivated by a political agenda which Democrats would realize if they weren't so motivated by their political agenda. And we haven't even gotten to the worst argument. President Trump is the all-powerful and unquestionable emperor. To be clear, what Jay Sekulow actually said was, quote, Uh, We're asking for temporary presidential immunity. Which, to be clear, means that the sitting president of the United States cannot be investigated at all for anything. 
an argument that the president's attorneys made to a lower court that literally included the infamous hypothetical example, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. Seculo's approach to the argument centered on trying to find constitutional justification for the concept that the president is above the law by repeatedly referring to the presidency as, quote, special. The Constitution clearly states that the president is special. It's a special job with special responsibilities. I take absolutely no responsibility. But being bound by the law is not special. Therefore, to be truly special, the president must receive special treatment and special exemptions, especially given this president's need to feel special. Why didn't you love me, Daddy? Why? Why didn't you love me, Daddy? So, in summation, the president's argument against having his tax returns released by third parties is this. The president, who is not busy, is too busy to do what actually busy presidents were compelled to do, which he was not too busy to voluntarily argue in a case in which he wasn't actually compelled to do anything, based on the argument that he chose to make, that he would not have time to make an argument if he hadn't chose to make it. The argument that he made time to make, even though he doesn't have time to make it, is based on the accusation that Congress, who has no right to accuse the president of being politically motivated, is politically motivated. And the constitutional principle that does not exist that the president can commit murder on a busy street in broad daylight and not be investigated because he's special. Remember the church lady? Isn't that special? North Carolina Republican Senator Richard Burr stepped down from his position as the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee amid an ethics investigation into $1.7 million worth of stock he sold just before the stock market crashed because of coronavirus. Senator Burr was also served a search warrant by the FBI and surrendered his phone. For more on the legal peril facing Senator Richard Burr, who had classified knowledge of the coming coronavirus crisis, but swears he did not use that information when he coincidentally dumped $1.7 million worth of stock right before the market crashed, Barely Audible Whisper turns to our home state of Georgia Senator Kelly Loeffler, who coincidentally made $18 million coincidentally dumping stock right before the market crashed. We're in the money. I'm Kelly Loeffler, and I was so lucky to not only be able to dump all $18 million worth of my stocks right before the pending disaster that I knew was coming, without drawing on the inside knowledge about the pending disaster, but I also bought a bunch of stocks in telecommunications companies that I knew were about to become profitable without drawing on that knowledge either. Gosh, I'm lucky. <laughs> That's right, lucky. Yes, I had classified information about the pending disaster, and yes, I sold off $1.7 million of stock in a single day, and yes, I publicly parroted President Trump's downplaying of the coronavirus while privately warning my donors about the impending catastrophe, and yes, my brother-in-law sold a quarter of a million dollars worth of stock on the same day I made $1.7 million, but, uh, wait, what was the point? But you were just lucky. That's right, lucky, because it was all just a crazy $1.7 million coincidence. 
I told my husband, who coincidentally just happens to be the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange, I said, isn't it just the luckiest coincidence that we lucked into an $18 million windfall right before the market crashed? And he pled the Fifth Amendment, as is his right to do so. What a coincidence. I was just coincidentally talking to my brother-in-law all about the Fifth Amendment, too. He started to say something, and I scolded him and told him to plead the fifth, as is his right to do so. Yeah, it's like my daddy used to say, a family that shuts the fuck up together stays out of prison together. Ah, uh, good old-fashioned Republican family values. Mm-hmm. I believe that it is precisely because we pay so much lip service to so many upstanding values that God blesses us with so much coincidental good luck. Well, there are no coincidences, just blessings in the form of cash payments for the values we pay for with our lips. But enough about how I convinced Brian Kemp to appoint me a senator. Let's bash Democrats who don't adhere to our family fortunes. I mean, values. That's right. Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein cashed in on this thing, too. I'm Senator Dianne Feinstein. I'm 1,000 years old. I've become a feminist icon as a pioneer for women in politics and a champion for women's rights. That's what makes your choice of excuses so strange. My husband is an investment banker, and he actually executed the stock trade that's come under scrutiny. So the excuse I chose to give is that my husband handles our finances without my knowledge. So, after a remarkable career fighting for women's equality, you're now claiming... <laughs> Don't laugh. Don't laugh. My husband is the man of the house. So he makes all the important decisions because thinking about money hurts my tiny little lady brain. Tell me about it, girl. That's why I let my husband figure out how to invest all the money I steal. Now your approval is the nail in the coffin of the lifetime of good work I've undone. Doesn't your stature as a feminist make the my husband handles the finances excuse seem a bit implausible? Obviously, but it's still more believable than the she and I lucky to have made all this money by somehow not using the information I had, excuse. Oh, you poor thing. You don't have a left-wing media to blame. Bless your heart. Yeah, it sure is lucky that a propaganda network was coincidentally paid for so Republicans who pay lip service to Republican values can blame the fact that we got paid on the media for reporting on the fact that we got paid. They're trying to destroy me, just like they're trying to destroy Trump. The trouble with liberals is that they're as disappointed in me as I should be in myself, you know? Look on the bright side. None of us will be going to prison because luckily for us, the laws that we, 
coincidentally get to write, coincidentally includes such a high burden of proof for the particular crimes that we're coincidentally being accused of that it's literally impossible to secure a conviction. What incredibly coincidental good luck. <laughs> no, right? We're in the money, oh, I'm on the honey. Let's let it, spend it, send it, rolling around. I just want you to know this voice came with a little shaky lady hand. <laughs> Katie Miller, Vice President Pence's press secretary and wife of evil racist Muppet Stephen Miller, has tested positive for coronavirus. After the Miller's wedding, which featured an Elvis impersonator, we brought that impersonator on Barely Audible Whisper, where we played a rewritten version of Are You Lonesome Tonight, called Are You Evil Enough? So, with the news of the virus now directly impacting the Trump administration, we brought the Elvis impersonator back to sing another song. Katie Miller, I feel the temperature rising. Could be the virus she didn't take seriously. Well, maybe her boss should have worn a mask at the clinic. And now she's paying for Mike Pence's idiocy. Not to say I wish her harm, but the shoulders feel like karma. And maybe she should try drinking bleach. Katie's getting the cough now. Start contact tracing, cause she's tested positively. She's been in touch with everyone in the West Wing. I guess it's finally time to act responsibly. And there's no trip to Camp David, because Katie caught the COVID. And they all should maybe try drinking bleach. It's funny to see what House Stephens taking precautions. After they spend so long telling us it's no big deal. I can't help but root for more of them to catch the virus. So they can know how the rest of America feels. And maybe it'll even infect her husband, Stephen. And maybe then we'll try drinking bleach, drinking bleach. Or just a bunch of racist drinking bleach. Just a bunch of racist drinking bleach. I want to see a bunch of racist drinking bleach. Yeah, I want to see a bunch of racist drinking bleach. This week, President Trump took to Twitter to rehash an old lie he made at the very beginning of his administration when he had accused former President Obama of secretly wiretapping his phones during the 2016 campaign. Apparently, President Trump has finally run out of new lies and has started the process of recycling old lies. The baseless accusation, which the not-very-clever president dubbed Obamagate, was thoroughly debunked in about two days, and because President Trump is immune from consequences, we had all but forgotten about the time the current president recklessly accused his predecessor of dictatorial abuse of power without evidence, 
in a botched effort to cover up his campaign's compliance with the election meddling of a hostile foreign power. Because this is America now. Like most sequels to terrible movies, the Obamagate sequel is even worse than the original Obamagate conspiracy, because this time President Trump didn't even bother to make a tangible accusation. He just tossed out the term Obamagate and let MAGA Twitter fill in the rest. Obama is a secret canyon-born Muslim who framed Trump from Russian collusion so Hillary would win the election that she lost. Obama conspired with China to invent the coronavirus using leftover swine flu, which he also invented, to force Americans to ingest a Bill Gates vaccine that causes homosexuality in support for gun control legislation. Obama is black. When asked at a press conference what crime President Obama had actually committed, President Trump said, quote, You know what the crime is. It's obvious to everybody. As always, our Trump impersonator is still a woman, because we hear he still hates that. And since no terrible sequel to a terrible movie would be complete without a terrible trailer, Barely Audible Whisper obtained audio of the trailer to Obamagate 2. In a world where 85,000 Americans have died... As of this recording, but by the time you listen to this, 85,000 will already seem like a low number. The number will go down just like a miracle. One incompetent president is willing to try anything to save his presidency. Anything, that is, except for doing the actual job of the president. The states should have to do everything, and then after the governors do all the work, they have to say how great I am, or they don't get any ventilators. The president needed to lie, but that president and his administration had already told so many lies that they had run out of new lies to invent. Mr. President, as your press secretary, I can spend almost anything. I literally make it the press's fault when you say stupid things at a press conference. But at some point, you're going to have to do some actual work if I'm going to keep calling you the hardest working president in history. Fake news, Kaylee McEnany. I do lots of work. Nobody does more work bragging about the work they don't really do than Trump. Give me money. Jared Kushner is correct. The less work President Trump does to contain the virus, the worse the virus will get, and the worse the virus gets, the more distracted people will be by the virus, which means they won't notice that my evil jowls are abusing my position as Attorney General. Obviously, our disastrous disaster response makes a great distraction from our other disasters, but like all of our disasters that distract from other disasters, we need a new disaster to distract from our most disastrous disaster. Give me money. Jared's right. We just need to make up another crazy lie. That's the problem. We've made up so many crazy lies that we've run out of crazy lies to make up. No! Yeah. What happens when a presidency based entirely on lies 
runs out of new lines. I'm sorry, Mr. President, but there's no other choice. You're going to have to do some actual work. No! But just when it seemed that the president was in the hopelessly perilous situation of actually having to do his job. No! A new plan, based on an old plan, emerged. Give me money! Jared is right. What he starts recycling. No! I don't mean recycling like a bunch of alarmist hippies trying to fight the climate change hoax. Thank God. I will not give up my lead paint-based makeup. I mean we recycle. An old lie like a Wemigate. Yes. Uh... Which lie was Obamagate again? Give me money. Oh, right, right, right. Obamagate 2, the real Obama blaming. Coming soon to an overcrowded theater where nobody wears masks, and then they mingle in a bunch of businesses that were forced to reopen in a community near you. Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, and producer, Dave Baldwin, co-host and actress, Molly Brown, writer and actor, Daniel Carter-Brown, actors, Corey Burns, Michael Morgan, Ali Glonick, and making her second brief cameo, Jaya White. Please uh, follow us on social media, check out barelyaudiblewhisper.com. Tell all your friends about us and subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We appreciate your support. I was muted. I'm so mad. I realized the technology is very hard nowadays, but you know. Is this thing on? Can you guys hear me? I can't see you. Unfortunately, yes. I prefer not to hear women. Oh, God. Huh? Wow. So old. I gotta put my ears in. Hold on. Humorous. <laughs>